Welcome back to season two of Sing When You're Losing, a podcast designed to help and support you in making the most of every situation. Life will always throw obstacles and stumbling blocks in our path, but they're not meant to stop us. They're meant to teach us. In these episodes, you'll hear from elite athletes, coaches, and trainers about their lives, careers, and challenges, and how they're coping during this current crisis. Every episode will contain encouragements and insights, which all of us can apply to our lives. We can't avoid the pain, so we may as well learn to sing when we're losing. Today's guest is Liverpool-based featherweight boxer, Jazza Dickens. Jazza currently holds the European IBF and WBO belts and will soon be fighting for the British title. But Jazza's journey from an underprivileged background in central Liverpool to champion hasn't been a smooth one. So I hope you enjoy our conversation now as Jazza helps you to learn to sing when you're losing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sing When You're Losing podcast. It's really good to be back with you this week. My special guest this week is an old favorite of the podcast. This is actually the third time that Jazza has been on. He was on twice in the uh, first uh, series, and here he is back in the second series. So his name is Jazza Dickens. He's from Liverpool, and for a living, he's a boxer. Jazza, how are you? Great, bud. Thank you for having me on. Um, the, the scenery is a little bit different than last time we were in Sammy's ground and now we're on our couches so it's a little bit different but yeah, I feel more comfortable today yeah this is a bit more your element then isn't it yeah last time uh, we spoke or certainly the first time we spoke we were in uh, Tramir Rovers media suite which was a, a nice little box overlook, overlooking the pitch had a, a great view from there and now, as you say, we're in isolation, not together, unfortunately. It was just always in need of all them cameras. We just needed our phone. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Yep. All we needed was the phone. Uh, and yeah, this is kind of, this whole thing has kind of forced us into a whole new way of life, hasn't it? Yeah, it has actually, but as long as you, well, my opinion is as long as you are not affected personally by this coronavirus, I think, um, Things are good, Andy. I'm getting more family time, definitely. And my, my training's going well, and my old routine, I've, I've developed a better routine, actually. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, include anyone else apart from the people who are important to me, so it's good for me. I, I think that's a great way to look at it, and we'll come back to that a little bit later in the show. But I, one of the things that I, I've been trying to get people to do is to look at the positives. And there's no doubt that Jazza is going to look at the positives. Uh, he is always very good at that. So we'll come back to that. But you're absolutely right. The family time has been amazing. So uh, we'll talk about some of, the, um, some of the challenges around this as well. But before we get into it, for those of you who, uh, for those who haven't, uh, heard of Jazza Dickens. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about who he is? Who are you? I am a professional, first of all, but I am a man of God. Second of all, I am a family man. Third, I am a professional boxer. I um, served many years as an amateur. It was always my dreams to to be a professional boxer. And um, now where I am, 10 years into a 
professional career, loving loving every second of it. I've got I've got a family. I've now got kids. I've still got a a, a healthy mother and father. Yeah, so that's that's why I'm very grateful to be a man of God. Wonderful. And for those who might be listening from other parts of the world, Jazza, where are you from? I'm from Liverpool, the very centre, just outside the city centre of Liverpool. That's where I'm from, Liverpool, England. So for all of those listening right now who wish they had subtitles, that's why. <laughs> it's because Jazza is from the centre of Liverpool. I've lived there long enough now to where I can pretty much understand 85 to 90% of what Jazza says, and uh, the rest... It's not your fault, but <laughs> the rest people from Liverpool who can't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Part of that probably is because you're a boxer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jazza is a, a fighter from Liverpool, a great guy. He's become a friend. He's a lot of fun. And for those of you who are getting tired of all of my guests being Liverpool fans... Jazza, who do you support? I'm a blue bud. I'm from the other, the other side. I'm a real scouser. I'm a, I'm <laughs> a real scouser. Oh, <laughs> fighting words from Jazza. Uh, Jazza is an Everton fan, for those of you who don't know what a blue is. So there you go. I do have friends who are not Liverpool fans. Not many. I try not to associate with too many people outside of the family. But uh, Jazza is a friend who is an Everton supporter. So Jazza. It can, it can be painful at times, but it's like faith, you know, <laughs> you've got to hold it there and stick with it. Yes. So uh, Jazza, the, the title of the podcast is Sing When You're Losing. And uh, as an Everton fan, <laughs> if Jazza didn't sing when he was losing, he would never sing. <laughs> so Jazza. Just take us back a bit, and how, how did you actually get into boxing? Boxing for me was, um, I started at the age of 13 in school, fighting a lot, in the street, fighting a lot. I was very insecure in myself, um, coming from home problems. You know, everybody has resistance in some area at home as a child, and um, mine, mine led me to venting, venting into into something something where I could release the pain I was feeling and boxing was just perfect. I could literally fight it out. Every single day I could go to the gym and um, sparring weren't seen as... Sparring was easy and it was fun because I was able to just get all my feelings out. That's how much I was feeling. That sparring was freedom. Like, like, like a young William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> just fighting for freedom <laughs> fantastic and when did you realize that actually you were pretty good at it from the off because um, I was in secondary school at this point it was in year 7 or year 8 and the kid who I sparred on the first night he'd been, he'd been in the gym for like 5 years and he had his first fight coming up and um i done well, I helped me on with him in sparring and, and everybody said that he was good and he helped me on. Didn't get the better of it, but he helped me on and I fought hard to hold me on, you know. And um, that I knew if I'm keeping up with him on day one and he's been here for five years, I've got something. I said on day one, I looked around the gym when I went and I said, I want to be champion of the world. There was a picture of, there was a picture of a um, Liverpool legend on the wall 
John Conte with a WBC belt round. He was champion of the world, and I looked at that picture and said, I want to be the next scouser to, to win a world title. I weren't, but other scouts have done it. Yeah. Tom Smith, he's won a world title from Liverpool, uh, WBC, but I said, I want to be, I want to do that, just like John Conte. And have you given up on that dream yet? No, no, but I fought for a world title a few years ago, and uh, I lost. And, and it's only it's only put more logs on me fire, you know. <laughs> and now I've got the the, the benefit, the added, the, I've got more I've got more pressure from having kids as well. I don't have to do it for me. I've got a kids and a family. I have to provide for them too. That that can be seen as a plus or a negative. I choose to see it as a plus, and that that that's more logs on my fire. You know, I've got I've got to do it for them. So I've made me mind up years ago with something I'm gonna do. I will do it one day, and um, they just that pressure makes me makes me do it even more. You know. Yeah. So you are not undefeated <laughs> as a professional no. boxer. You've lost three fights, I think. Is that right? Yep. So when you you know you get your your hopes built up, you finally get that shot, and then you lose. What's that like? Painful, but painful, painful. It, it, I was having when I lost my first fight. It was um, it was it was for fight. It was 2013 fight of the year. It was so I, I won an AD title. I won the English title. I'm English champion going into the British British title fight. Um, it was for young fighter of the year, me and the, the person we both nominated for young fighter of the year. That's a massive, massive thing. Um, and I lost the fight. And the first time, first first fight and only time I'd ever been put down in my career. But and after the fight, I got stopped in the 10th round. And after the fight, I um, I was being super-led, suicidal thoughts. You know, not, not on every, like, I'm, I'm going to do this to myself. Um, we was I, I went on holiday after the fight. I went to Lanzarote with my girl and my son at that time, my, my stepson. And um, I was just I was just having them thoughts up late at night. They're having the time of their life, and I'm just in a different world. But thinking, is the an easier way? Is the way out? This pain that I feel from losing is too much. And um, at that point, I had to make a choice. I, I had to make a choice. I can't feel like this. I can't be half-hearted. I need to put. I need to put even more into boxing, or not at all. And, and, and I chose to. I chose to carry on with my dreams. And, you know, there was no. There was no doubt about carrying on. But but there's just come a point where you've got to say, I can't. I can't feel this pain. I need to get over it or get out. You know. So um, I carried on, and and I, and I, I got redemption for myself. A few years later, I came back and I won the British title. I defended the British title, and then I went on to get a world title shot. Uh, and I thought, I thought the guy who would probably go down in um, history books was probably one of the best fighters to, to ever live in the top ten. And um, looking looking back, I was I was young and I was naive, and and I'd, I'd always played the PlayStation. And he was on the game; he was a part of the game. I wanted to fight him. Do you know what I mean? He was to beat him would be to beat the man. You'd be number one. And you, you get, get all the marbles for beating him. So I took the shot. And I got a broken jaw in the second round. And the fight got stopped. It was just impossible to continue in that state. And um, six months out with a broken jaw, but I've been fighting seven fights a year for the first few years. And now all of a sudden, 
I've, I've got six months out. What do you do? The boxer said you won't fight. The doctor said you won't fight again. That was one fight I had to come back from. But I still had the British, the British title. Come back after probably the toughest time. But it was a tough time. Not fighting for six months. But I had, I had my family and I had to reflect on myself as a person. And I had to also think, who am I as a father now? That's my main priority. If I can't box, I'm going to... My main priority now is to be a father. So it was a great time for me, you know, also to be a father to my three kids. It was a special, special time, although it was possibly the hardest time of my boxing career. So then I came back, no warm-up fights. I still had the British title and I lost that. So I lost, so I've lost two fights back to back. I had now, I come to a point where I had to win for two years, but it was hard. That was another one of them questions. What are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to, Go through this wall, or you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna act on your faith. You're gonna ask God to make you who you believe you can be, or you're gonna swerve it. That was another one of them times, but and I chose now. You're gonna have to give even more. As scary as it is right now, you're gonna have to give even more because now I'm even lower than I was ever. Do you know what I mean? I'm I've no win for two years. That doesn't look good on a professional boxer. It looks like I'm coming towards the end of my career. So. I um I made changes in my career. I, I I went out to America. I had an experience out there. I went out there with twenty six dollars in my pocket, but you know what I mean. That was a, a massive leap of faith. Arriving in Miami with twenty six dollars in your pocket with no income. I, what? How does that work? That that's trusting the Lord, and it was a great time for me. And I got through it. As you can see, I'm still here. And I had a fight out there in Dominican Republic. That was a mad situation. Another brilliant experience. And then when I came home, all this time that I've been waiting for my shot, waiting for my shot, waiting for my shot, I got a shot on my front doorstep after going out to America and fighting. I got a fight in Liverpool. I won that fight. They gave me another fight for the European title. That's come out of nowhere. I won that. And then I got this opportunity to go in a, in a massive tournament called the Golden Contact Tournament. I've had the quarterfinal, the semi-final. I've won them both, but... In the meantime, I've beat the another European, two European champions, and the Commonwealth champion, and um, I'm in the final. My next fight will be in the final of that, and the winner gets massive, massive rewards. These rewards that I've been playing to go for all these years—that's what's on the line now. But so, just sticking in there, having enough faith that that's just over the last few years as my pro career, having enough faith is just. Just that got me here. The faith alone, do you know what I mean? No training, nothing's, nothing's changed with me training, nothing's changed with me eating, nothing's changed. It's just the faith, having the faith and hanging in there is what's brought me to this point now where I'm at 10 years into my career where people are retiring. I'm at the best point that I could be in. I'm loving my career, you know. So taking a, a, just a little bit of a step back, you were given a shot at if I can get the names of the belts right, at the British title that was then taken away, taken away, the guy backed yes. out. Uh, what was his name? Oh, yeah. His name was... I had the rematch with the guy who took the belts off because it ended in a controversial air clash. And he got a cut, but he got out and he was up on the cards. So we're supposed to have a rematch, Thomas Ward. That's it, yeah. And he pulled out. Yeah. So his brother stepped in, who yeah. had all these defenders successfully against then he stepped out yeah 
and then the ball, the boxing ball, the control took the shot away from me and gave it to somebody else. But I went the one fooling around, you know. It was there yeah. all along. And then you went to the states. You came back from the states, but then there were issues around. You had fought outside of the region. You had fought in this. What was so you had yeah. all that to deal with as because, well? Is that exactly? Because I fought in, in Dominican Republic, I was supposed to notify the boxing board of control under my license. Top and bottom of it is they take fees. They they take a fee from every fight and they make sure everything's above board and safe. But I didn't have a penny to spend. I didn't have a penny to give anybody. I wouldn't even get paid to fight. It was just trying to rejuvenate my career, get great sparring and fights. So they were notified. And when I came home, he said, we've got to suspend your license from you because... You've gone against our rules. And I get it, you know, I get it. They are the rules for a reason. So yeah, they took my license off me, so then I have to apply for my license again. These are all little signs, though, but what do you do? Just wave it, or do you give even more? Do you know what I mean? And every so, time. So, what, what kept you going then? My feet, brother. I, I believe I've got a calling, that intuition inside myself. You know, that intuition, what you do the time, but when they obviously, when you never have what you've got now. But you had that intuition. I know what I can do. I know it. I just know it. The Lord lets me know. My soul speaks to me. My spirit's talking. Follow this dream. And that, that's what it is. But the intuition is, is letting me know I'm, I'm, I can do what I, what I believe I can do. You know, and that, that's it, the intuition. Now, you, you talk to me quite openly about your faith. Uh, we mentioned this in an earlier podcast as well. When, uh, and you're not the only boxer to do that. Uh, there are other boxers. Tyson Fury talks about his faith. Uh, there, you know, American boxers as well that uh, talk a lot about the Vander Holyfield talks a lot about his faith. There are, but for a lot of people listening, that seems a bit weird that uh, you would talk about faith in a sport where it seems like all you're trying to do is kill the other person. Uh, I remember. Yeah, it seems that way. I remember something you said to me in the first podcast. I'll never forget it, but I want to see if you say it again now. How do you view it? How do you uh, marry that, that what seems like a contradiction between being a person of faith, which means being a person of love and of forgiveness and of compassion and, and all those sorts of things with, with being a fighter whose goal is to knock someone else out? Well, what, what was David in Samuel seven, one seventeen? Was it Samuel one seventeen? David and Goliath. What was he? He was a, he was a fighter, you know. I think we all have special callings, but and 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 this is mine. Where where I am from, where the part of the world where I've grown up, being being a a, a lawyer won't won't help these kids around me. But being a fighter will, because this is this is the type of area we're from. These are these are the things that we have available to us. A lot of kids can follow my suit, and um, I think doing what I do from where I'm from will inspire more people. And um, I think it does inspire people. But then people give me feedback all the time: what the kids are now doing because of this, or what what they are doing, grown men because they've seen this fight and stuff like that. So. I'm, I, the Lord's doing his work to me. So when I get a special win or something happens, something, something big happens in my life, but I thank the Lord for doing his will to me. And, and I, just know, I just know that feeling, that feeling you get when you know you've done the Lord's work. 
it doesn't mean I don't get empowered by knocking a man unconscious. That that doesn't that doesn't help me my spirit. But that but I feel guilty and I feel sorrow for the man who's had to lose. But when I win and I overcome the odds, like in my last fight, I was four to one down, and I overcome the odds, and it gave a lot of people a lot of um, a lot of faith that they could do it too, you know. And in that situation, I know I've done the Lord's work, and that's that. that it's, I feel it's me calling me to do the Lord's work through boxing. You can do whatever you want in life. But that, but that, that work for you is outside of boxing. Boxing is your oh, tool, yeah. as it were. But the work is actually outside of boxing. So your your desire is to see other people's lives better. Yeah, but and I sometimes when I, when I sit back and and I think, why do I love boxing so much? Why have I got a passion for this? Like, and I believe that the Lord gives us a passion because if we didn't have the passion, we wouldn't do it. We couldn't do it. Boxing's too hard. The training, the sacrifice, the diet—it never stops. So. If I didn't have the passion to do this, I couldn't do it. It'd be too hard. So I believe that passion is given to me by the Lord just so I can carry on doing what I'm doing. Because without the passion, it just wouldn't be worth it for me. Now, something you said to me, I'm just going to remind you of it because, it, as I say, it has stuck with me. Uh, when you talk about boxing, and I, I think a lot of, well, I'm sure a lot of boxers are like this, while I'm sure there's some that aren't. For you, it's not about getting angry and getting revenge on someone and, and just trying to be mean. Uh, what you said to me was, for you, it, it's an art. And the, the way you picture it is each person is trying to draw the best out of the other person. Yeah, opponents, opposition. Yeah. That, that, that really stuck with me, that you, your goal is, is to win, obviously. But yeah. you want to draw the best out of the other, out of your opponent, and he's wanting to draw the best out of you. And then the best man wins, but both have yeah. given their best. It is something for the viewers, but who, um, who aren't sold on boxing. I'm not trying to sell anybody on boxing. People have their own opinions in life, but we a lot of people have got kids, and the kids come over from school, and they have homework, and they pick the pen up, and they go, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. What do you say to your kids? How do you, what, what do you say to your kid? What do you tell them? Or do you show them what's possible? So what I show my kids is how I've been knocked on my butt in a, in, in a ring, public humiliation, but lost that British title. And I don't show them, look, pick the pencil up. This is how you do nine or two. I show them by going out there, back in front of thousands of people and then winning that British title. But I show them if you perceive, you know, if you're persistent, you can achieve anything. Never give up, you know. And that's that's how I show me kids that 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 that's why boxing's good. But people can say yeah, it's violence or whatever. Yeah, it looks violence from the outside. But I get to show me kids. I'm living. I'm living an honest life. I'm not selling drugs. I'm not. I'm not doing crime to provide for them. I'm living a really, really hard and honest life. And, and that's what boxing is to me and my family. Talk to me about your uh, sort of pre-fight routines, the weigh-ins. So I've been watching you a bit now, and uh, you are—you <laughs> you are a—you're—you're you're a cheeky little scouser. Uh, it's very much <laughs> what you are, I guess. For a lot of us, you know, we just casual spectators of boxing. We watch some of the weigh-ins, and and you think sometimes, oh, well, that's a setup, or. Uh, or he's just trying. You, you just you're not really sure what's 
happening like during the weigh-in and stuff. But I know you like to get up in the guy's face, be a bit cheeky, try to make him smile. <laughs> what, what is your what's your goal in all of that? No, but it's like, do, do you know like when you're a kid and the I want to explain. So if you go to fair as a kid, are you gonna walk around and just be monotone, or are you just gonna enjoy every second of it? Do you know what I mean? You wanna make the most of it. You're gonna get into stuff. You're gonna get mischievous. You're gonna you're gonna do things that you wouldn't normally do because you're in your happy place and you just love it. You know, that's that's where I am. But when I'm in these weigh-ins and when I'm I've worked so hard to be there and I get to this place, uh, what do we do? Just just like the like the snooker players, yeah, no, yeah, no, no one when when they have to talk and they're very monotone and the dull. People don't like to see that, but I don't like to be that person. If I got told you've got to be dull, I wouldn't want to do it because I get I get a buzz out of out of like the pleasure of of being that cheeky kid and to being like into stuff. Do you know what I mean? And that's why I act a bit a bit a bit like you say a bit cheeky, a bit naughty. <laughs> that's who I was as a kid. I'm in my fear. That that's where I am. It's my day out, and, and I love it. You know that that's not that's not for anyone else's amusement either but that's just something that I find pleasure in myself (laughs) (laughs) I love that I I really do Uh, and I think you know again that's something all of us can take out of it you know find something that you love doing and and then just just love life and I I definitely get that from you that your your desire is to love life and to make the most of it I do believe, but whatever I've done, whatever I do, and I know yourself, you would, whatever it is, if you got your your old world axed from under your feet today, you'd find something else to love. You know what I mean? You go to a job that you that you don't like, you find a way to like it because that's who you are. A lot of people are like that, and a lot of people aren't like that. Like to this corona, COVID, whatever it's called, this <laughs> virus, I think a lot of people are like that. The people who've got a, a full glass, they're getting better. They're they're thriving on this, and the people who've got half empty glass, they're, they're sinking. And I think comes faith massively in times like this. I think that's so true. Uh, you and what I've been doing a lot at the moment is trying to get people to look at the positives, to look on the bright side, to, to find the areas where we can grow and get better and get stronger. Because I, I think, as you say, you said the glass half full, if we can, if we can use that glass half full, all of us could come out of this stronger and better than we went in. Yeah, definitely, but and, and your your account that you do on Instagram, Live Exist, coaches it. That's right. It's great, yeah. but we, we, we love it. We always watch it. We talk about it every day. Keep it up. We don't know if you get the feedback you should do to keep you going, but, but we, we love it. We always listen to it, and it's great. really oh. is good. It's, it's good, good work what you're doing on there, bud. Uh, cheers. I appreciate that very much. Now, you should be training for a final. You mentioned the golden contract. Tell us just exactly what the golden contract is. How did all that come about? How does that work? Just come out out of nowhere. But um, I would say through faith. When I got a world world title shot, that come about through faith as well for me. It was just a mad one. Like They're looking for an opponent. I know from England. They're looking for opponents in England. The fight's in Liverpool. Who's your phone? All right, we found that's how my world title fight came about by being active, being healthy, and being living an honest life, going to the gym, sacrificing, and then when the call comes, taking it. And this was the same situation in this Golden Contract tournament. Do you want to enter this tournament? There's about things about 15 boxing divisions. We're doing three divisions. 
one's a featherweight, so we're asking you. I said, of course, I'd love to, you know. Um, there's going to be eight fighters in the tournament. There's going to be a quarterfinal, a semi-final, and a final. Eight fighters, so um, do you want to be in it? It's great money, and um, at the end of it, everyone who goes in it is a champion of some sort. So we all go in it with a title. All the belts are going to be on the line. And whoever comes out of it will be British, Commonwealth and European champion. They will get a name, an opportunity to go on, get a contract with one of the largest companies in the world and then fight for a world title. So that, that's where I've, I've boxed in the quarters, boxed in the semis and now the finals. The finals here. I am saying for it behind closed doors because I believe that the curtain will be lifted off this COVID-19 at any minute and whoever's um, left left there who never have faith they're the ones who are going to go under but the people who are, who are still sticking with it every day being optimistic the glasses are full and um, they are the people who are going to who are going to thrive on this when, when the world goes back to when we go back to the real world then people are going to you're going to get their rewards like anything in life that you have to sacrifice very true so what belts do you currently hold at the minute i hold the, the european ibf title and the european wbo title in the two fights before it i've also beat the, the current commonwealth champion and the current ebu european champion so of i should be commonwealth champion right now hopefully that'll be on the line in the next fight as well but i'm fighting the current british champion in the final Okay, so you're fighting in the final for the British Championship. Well, no, that's been took off because the boxing board of control, as they explained before, going in this tournament, the champion, he's had seven title defences. and um, But because he's got in this tournament and they, uh, they're set in their own ways and they want to choose the, 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 the person who he defends against, they've took the title off him, they've um, stripped him. So he'll be fighting for my title. Okay. We're both ranked in the top 10 in the world. Now, you say you're training behind closed doors. So, what? Are you, how are you training then? I'm just doing my own thing. I've got a bag set up in the back, <laughs> a bag set up in the back garden. It, it, it's, what it, it's, it's evolved. Because last week, two weeks ago, I was punching a wall. And now I was punch, punching my mattress. And now I've got a bag. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I've, been on, I've been doing the pads with my dad and... I've been doing the pads, running and bag work, shadow boxing. You don't need a ring on or gloves to do that. And uh, circuit training. You do me, I always do bodyweight circuits anyway. And I've got I've got great help from John Moore's University. He sent me a program to do on my strength and condition side of it. I've got my meal meal prep meal prep company prep for success. They're dropping meals off as well. And so I'm, nothing really has changed. But to be honest, yeah. Well, I think the butchers are still open, aren't they? You could go rocky and get the whole big rack of yeah. <laughs> rack of ribs and start punching those next. Yeah, yeah. yeah the butchers are open, yeah. There's one by eyes <laughs> open now. I haven't been in there though. I'm scared to go around people, you know. Um. So, what are you doing when you're not training? Then, how are you passing the time? YouTube, but <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> I spend five or six hours on YouTube. I come out of it with these conspiracies, thinking I know the world's against me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, what am I doing watching that again? But I can't help it. I can't help watching it. I watch the fights on YouTube. I spend time with the kids. You know, that's nice, but then to get the time with the kids and absolutely, yeah, it's just family time, just things that you do on any other day with the family. That's it, really. But yeah. Good. 
Well, I'm glad that you're getting this family time. I, and I'm, I know Katie is very much appreciating it. Oh, are you getting on buzz with your family time? What, what are you doing? Yeah, really, really enjoying it. Uh, my kids are a bit older than yours, so 12 and 15, and two girls. So they kind of, I know that they're in the house somewhere, uh, or, yeah. they're, or they're on the trampoline, uh, and we meet for meal times. And I spend the rest of my time doing recording podcasts, doing DIY. I've been building lots of things around the house, doing yeah. gardening. Yeah, getting all those jobs done. Uh, the problem is if I'm going to go another three to six weeks of this, I'm beginning to run out of jobs. and That's what worries me. What advice? So, you know, you, we've talked a bit about, you know, you've, you've lost fights, you've had your lows, you, you know, you've been down, nearly broke, uh, and, uh, but you, you've bounced back. You're finding a way even now during this tough time. Uh, to to make it through what advice would you give to other people right now for for staying positive and making most of it it's easier said than done as as most advice is but but persistence over motivation because it's easy to work hard when you're motivated you've got the motivation you can do it it's so easy it's a pleasure but doing it when you haven't got the motivation that is persistence just plodding on doing it doing the things that you know that you should be doing and that's it really but Persistence over motivation, that, that's one thing that I've learned throughout my life is that being persistent will get you a lot further in any area than being motivated. That's good. It's something I've, I've wanted to ask you, and I guess for boxers in general, I mean, it's a, it is a brutal sport. Uh, there is a lot of pain involved. When you're in a fight and you've been hurt, even the fight that you won recently, you came out pretty black and blue <laughs> at the end of that one. Well, are you feeling the pain when you're in it? No, no, no. There's only one time I've ever felt the pain in the middle of the fight, bud, and that was when I got a bro broken jaw. Um, it was just dang, dang, every time I got punched in it, it was just like swinging. It was just like touching my neck and where there was nothing holding it on. <laughs> and it was... I was just getting shooting pains up behind my eyeballs, and that, that was the only time that shooting pain behind my eyeballs. The fact that there's a saying, Van der Holyfield said, if you feel pain, you're still in the fight. Do you know what I mean? So if you don't feel nothing at all, you're probably in an ambulance, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> that That is when you boxing pain. motivation talk right there, isn't it? <laughs> if you feel pain, you know you're in the fight. That. But you know what? That translates for all of us, doesn't it? If if we can feel the pain, if we're training at all, if we're getting out and doing some exercise, if we're at home and struggling, but and we know we're struggling, we can feel the pain, then we're still in the fight. Yeah. And there's, there's still hope. That, I guess, well, is the key to that, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, like, yeah, spiritually and emotionally, if you don't drown your feelings out with that, with drug addiction, alcohol, or you're not feeling not an eye, but if you feel a pain, you're in the fight, you know. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? That's so good. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. So how soon out of this isolation do you think your fight will be? Have they said anything know, to you? Well, they haven't been given a scheduled date, but when I went into the contract, they said it would be nine months. It would be a nine-month tournament from start to finish. So I would probably say, like, if it stays as it was, they probably about maybe three months, um, or maybe two months left. Maybe I don't know. 
I just have to stay ready. But because if my chance comes, you don't get many chances in life, do you? Big ones. And if it come and I was I weren't ready, I'd, I'd regret it for the rest of my life. So I've just got to stay, got to stay ready and motivated. Well, persistent right now. And maybe you don't want to answer this, but it's the last question before we finish off. What if you lose? No, what buzz? I'm not going to answer it. God creates winners, buzz, and that's who I am. <laughs> Sorry, it was a terrible answer, wasn't it? That was no conversation, no. No, that's that's, that's, I that's exactly what I expected you to say. <laughs> that that you don't want to think about it. You, you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's what I expected. I only talk about losing. It was it was a past event, and I did lose. You know, I'll speak about my losses, but I won't talk about losing. You know. Yeah. No, I, I anticipated that response, so uh, I totally understand that. <laughs> I know. I also know whatever yeah. happens, whatever happens, <laughs> you'll come home to Katie and the kids and your family. And your faith and life will go on and, and you'll make the most of it. Just as we close now, where can people find you? How can people follow your career and stay up to date with all the, the push-up challenges that you're doing and things like that at the moment? Social media, I'm, I'm, I'm quite active on the social media. My, my Instagram account is Jazza Dickens 10 I, I use that's both on Instagram and Twitter. I don't use Facebook. Um, so most, most of me time on social media will be on Instagram and my upcoming fights will be you can reach uh, platforms MTK Global and also my fights will be live on Sky Sports Sky, Sky Sports Boxing I'm sure there'll be updates on Sky Sports News um, leading up to the fights and yeah that's it thanks for that's perfect that's perfect and all the best as you go forward uh, we'll be cheering for you no doubt and uh, hoping yeah, I want to see you come out with that title as well. Thank you, bud. Likewise. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you as well for your work, for what you do. Appreciate it. Pleasure, mate. Really a pleasure. Uh, so love to Katie and the kids. And let's stay in touch. And uh, we'll get you back on after the fight. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Sing When You're Losing. If you take nothing else from today's episode, I hope it is that you remember that if you can feel the pain, you're still in the fight and your dreams are worth fighting for. So keep going. Please do subscribe to Sing When You're Losing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure and recommend us to your friends as well, anyone else that you think this might encourage. Please do tune in next week as I interview Sky Sports pundits and former Liverpool striker, Neil Meller. In the meantime, have a great week, everyone, and I hope you all continue to sing when you're losing.